invite you to follow along. This story is found in Acts, the third chapter, verses 1 through 16. I don't know that I'm reading from the same thing that will be on the screen, but it's the scripture. Whichever version or translation happens to be up there. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame man, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them to, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And in his name, through faith in his name, he made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of all of you. May God bless to each of us the reading and the hearing of his word. Thank you, Major, for uh, reading the scriptures. And as we look now at what is the power of a name, all of us, have a name. And at some point, your parents 
probably, I hope, thought a lot about what to name you. All of us could probably say, or we have a book at home, or uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm gazing at two people now who are probably thinking about the name of their kids. Uh, uh, we all went through that at some point. And um, I remember when my brother, when my mom was about to have my brother, they had a book and you would get this book and it would tell what their name meant and all this. And we all, you know, names are important, right? Uh, there's a, in fact, there's a, a neat little um, a movie called The Rookie, Walt Disney movie. And as we talk about not realizing the power in a name, sometimes we forget the power in our name when we call ourselves Christian, the name of Jesus. But if you've ever watched The Rookie, it's based on actually a, a true story of a man named Jimmy Morris. He was a high school teacher. He was a baseball coach and it ultimately became a major league baseball pitcher. And in the movie, they show this, this uh, time where he actually sees a, uh, and we, we still have them today, when you're driving down the road and the sign will say 35 miles an hour, or, and for me, usually it's blinking and saying, you need to slow down. Well, he sees this sign and thought to himself, you know, I wonder what would happen if I could throw a baseball, it could tell me how fast it was going. So he slows his truck, he pulls off to the side, he looks to see if anyone's watching, they're not. He grabs a baseball um, from the back of his truck and he throws it just to see if it would capture it and you know recognize it. And the number 46 flash, uh, quickly flashes on the sun. So he realizes that uh, it works. So he winds up as much as he can. He throws the ball with everything he has, and the sign stares blankly back at him for a moment. Then it flashes 76. Now, you may think that's good, but if you're a Major League Baseball player, you're not quite where you need to be. Well, discouragement, of course, falls over his face. He walks slowly to retrieve the baseballs. What Morris does not see is the sign is blinking for a moment. And he's unaware that the seven is actually a nine. Morris has actually thrown a fastball at 96 miles an hour, yet he remains unaware of his own power. Many of us today, when we speak of the name Jesus, we are totally unaware of the power that is ours in his name. This is not a sermon to tell you that if you believe uh, or that we use Jesus' name like a uh, rabbit's foot or four-leaf clover. But it is to say that we have faith in the name of Jesus. And what Major Patrick read for us, Peter and John are saying to this man and to those around, we're not the ones with the power, the power is in the name the name of Jesus. In the Acts 3, 1 through 3, it talks about they were going to the temple. And for them, there were three different types of prayer times, 9 a.m., 3 p.m. Um, and then I believe there was also a, a, a 6 p.m. But they were when they were praying, this man was begging for money. Now this, this, uh, this event 
is almost, you can almost, it's almost like word for word, almost, where, the, where Jesus is at the pool and the man is saying, well, you know, uh, I got nobody to put me in the water when the angel comes and, and stirs the water. So, and it also wasn't strange to see people begging at the temple. Because guess what people would do at the temple? They would bring their money. So they would ask for alms, okay? So this is not anything out of the ordinary. There's nothing peculiar about a crippled beggar, especially. And remember, remember what people thought of people with disabilities at the time. We, we are so different in our Western culture, thank goodness. But if you had a disability, remember when the man was born blind and Jesus' disciples said, well, who sinned? What, who did something wrong to cause this? This man was crippled since birth. I'm sure there were many that thought, well, you know, somebody did something terrible and God is punishing you. We're not that far off from when that was said even to people in church today. Well, you're sick because you just don't pray enough. Let's be careful about that. We, it is a mystery of why God heals some people on this earth and some people He heals in eternity. That is His decision. That is His will. We do pray. And what this verse tells us is not that Jesus' name is a lucky charm. What it's telling us is the power in Jesus' name. Now this crippled man, you could honestly say, he got more than what he was begging for. Thankfully, all he thought was, I just just give me some money. We'll we'll be good. Just you know, we we don't want to see ourselves as the crippled man in this story. We want to be Peter and John. We always want to be the the hero in a story. But how many times do we expect so little from God? Just give me a little pocket change, Lord. If you'll just take care of me on that, I won't ask for nothing. And God is thinking, you know what? I could give you so much more but you're so down here and not up here. There's a song that my grandmother used to say, I just want a cabin in the corner of glory land. Well, there's not going to be a cabin. There's going to be mansions. Maybe you're going to feel like Jed Clampett, but that's okay. You're going to have a mansion. You're not going to have a cabin. We, 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 we think we, God says, you know what? I've opened up the doors of heaven. I can give you anything. And here you are asking for a little bit of nothing. So here we are. He's begging. This was his normal routine. Peter and John, their normal routine. Go to the temple, preach, give the gospel to those, those Jews that are still blind. And what we see here is this wonderful, famous quote from Peter in verse 6 through 8. Uh, I love, you know, we always go back to the King James Version. Uh, silver or gold have I none, right? Uh, for many of us, you may say, well, that's my life verse. I don't have any money. Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I have I give to you. That's important. Friends, we have power that we don't even realize we have. When we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, spiritually, He gives us power over the enemy. 
He gives us power to be victorious in this life. And by the way, no money can do that. No amount of money can do that for you. No amount of prestige, no amount of education, no amount of anything can help you walk victoriously in this life, help you to see God's goodness other than power in Jesus' name. So what does he say? He says, I don't have money, but I'll give you what I have. Peter had power. Peter and John had power. There's a great little illustration about this story. Because in the name of Jesus, he said, get up and walk. See, Peter didn't have confidence in himself. He says, because he was an apostle, he, he knew the Lord. God bestowed on them. What did Jesus say? That wait for the Holy Spirit and, I, and I will give, he will give you power. It does make me wonder, do, do Christians have the power that they say they have? You do if you're in a right relationship with him. But this, this uh, event reminds me of this little story of this two men who, one was a little country preacher, the other man uh, grew up to be a priest, and in fact worked his way into the Vatican. And they would meet every so often, and, and uh, uh, one day the, uh, the, uh, the priest there that worked at the Vatican uh, invited his country friend, his little country preacher over to the Vatican to see Rome and all the great historical buildings and all the church history there. And as he's walking, as the, as the country preacher is walking through the halls of the Vatican, his, his priest friend says, hey, we don't say silver and gold have I none anymore, do we? And the country preacher says, yeah, but can we still say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk? Money isn't everything. There is power in the name of Jesus. Peter did not do this. Uh, Peter did not do this in the text. Peter did not lay his hands on the man. He didn't have him come to the front and, you know, do any kind of extraordinary event. Peter did not ask the Pharisees and the Sadducees to pray for him. Peter doesn't even pray for him. The verse says, Acts 3, verse 6, then Peter said, We read in the book of Genesis that God said, let there be light. God did not create light. He just said, let there be light. If that's not power, I don't know what is. Peter spoke the name of Jesus over the man's situation. He didn't say in the name of the apostle Peter or in the name of the disciples of Jesus Christ, he said in verse 6, In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. That is supernatural. Now, will that happen for everyone? No. But Jesus did say to his disciples, You have the power to heal the sick. This was a gift given to them. Why? Not to give them a big head, but so that those events, those miracles, would turn people to Christ. If you have been healed in your life, if God has victoriously, supernaturally, you know, freed you from sickness or alcohol or drugs, He didn't do that just to do it. He did it to point you to Him. He did that to show you His power so that you would then walk in His way. That's why God did miracles. That's why Jesus on this earth did miracles. And by the way, there were some places He didn't do miracles. 
because they didn't believe him. What I'm saying is speak the name of Jesus over your finances, but also do what you're supposed to with your finances. We're going to get to the point where I'm going to show you in a miracle, there is God's doing, there's also our doing. God never does what you could do on your own. God does expect a little something. But speak the name of Jesus over your marriage and then treat your spouse as God would intend you to. Speak the name of Jesus over your children and then raise them up as you should. And I love how um, Charles Spurgeon would say, uh, train up a child in the way they should go, but you make sure you go that way too. The name of Jesus does calm our fears because we know we can trust in His name. The name of Jesus does protect us from the evil one. Jesus even prayed that we would be protected from the evil one by His name. It's why we, we don't just pray in Jesus' name to tie a nice bow at the end of a prayer. It's not like at the end of a movie. You remember the old movies when it... I don't know if people just... I know they were smart back then, but why did it at the end of the movie, it finally just said, the end? I mean, people knew that, right? The credits would roll, the music. Why did it have to say, like, there was always like a curtain, the end? Well, when we say in Jesus' name, amen, we're not saying that's the end of our prayer. We're saying, Lord, let this be your will. We're praying in accordance to your name. John 14, verse 13, Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Why did Jesus do anything that He did on earth to bring glory to God the Father? It wasn't just so He could say, look what I can do. If God has given some people the gift of, of, of miracles, and I believe He does, I believe He has. It's in, I mean, we're reading about one. It's not so they can say, look at me. It's so that that miracle, that event, that thing that God does in someone's life, we call it a testimony. Right? All of us have one if you're a believer. Usually it's this is who I was, uh, this is who I am now, and this is how God's going to use me in the future. Again, Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I cho chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In my name means as, as, so, as he wills. It's just like when you read about when somebody would come or you've seen some movie, uh, maybe it was Victorian England or even further back, and they would say, I am here in the name of the king. That's, that's really what Jesus is saying. We pray in the name of our king that whatever he decides, it may be so. So think about that the next time you pray for a new car. This healing that we read about, as I mentioned, has two parts. And this is where people forget this part. God's part, but also the crippled man's part. God's part was the, the miracle in itself. It was done through the power of Jesus' name. Only God can do that. We are just empty vessels. We are, as Paul would say, we are, uh, we are clay pots, right? That's all we are. And God's Holy Spirit supernaturally indwells those, those clay pots and we are able to do, Jesus even said, here, here, is, here is a statement of Christ that will really have you scratching your head. Jesus said, 
you will do greater things than me. Think about that. But we always think in the natural, or we think he means raising somebody from the dead. Anytime that you help somebody get saved, you raise them from the dead. Think about that. Well, here's the thing. God does his part. We know he is all powerful. But the crippled man's part is also our part. We must have faith and believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. You know, there's people who walk this earth, they don't believe in the power of Jesus. They believe there was a Jesus. They believe that he was a man. And they can say in the name of Jesus all day long and it's not going to do anything. You know why? They don't believe. See, there is an effort demanded in faith before a blessing can be given. Now, you're not going to hear those charlatans on TV say that. You know, while this is being filmed, there is no 1-800 number to call that says, if you, you know, give me something, I'll send you a prayer shawl or I'll send you a little thing of water that somehow has been blessed. And if you drink it, you'll have eternal life. Right? We don't, that's silliness. That's, that's not silliness. That's witchcraft. You see, for us to take in the blessing of God, we have to have faith. Hebrews tells us that it is impossible without faith to please God. Well, here's the great thing. Where do you think you get your faith from? God. So you don't, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I, I don't have any faith. I mean, how do you get it? Like, God gives each person a measure of faith. And for some people, for whatever reason, I believe it's to do the things He's intended them to do. He has given them a larger amount of faith. But I want to remind you, when it comes to faith, it's not the size that, ma that matters. It's the, it's the using the faith. For some people, they have great, large amount of faith, and we see that they're able to do amazing things. Maybe God is saying, well, I didn't give you that measure, but for the measure I gave you, there are things you can do. Now, I want to give you some biblical illustrations of this. There is an effort, I'll say it again, there is an effort demanded on our part in faith before God will work. Here's another one. And some of them you just aren't even thinking about how easy they are, but it still takes action. Remember Mark 3, verse 5? The man, uh, chapter 3 tells us the event of the healing of the man with the withered hand, right? Well, Jesus told him to do something. Now, it was simple. He said, stretch out your hand. And he did. Jesus told him, stretch out your hand. And he was healed. Here's another one for you fishermen. Luke 5, verse 4, it's the miracle of the great catch of fish. But Jesus said, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Now, let's not forget, this wasn't on a Saturday morning where everybody had a good breakfast and we went out on the, on the pontoon. They've been doing this all night long. Tired, hangry. You ever been hangry? Some of you are probably hangry right now thinking you need to hurry up. I love the Facebook post that says, if I don't eat within 20 minutes, I'm a different person. And all of a sudden, don't you love when somebody... It never says that Jesus went fishing, and all of a sudden he's going to tell them what to do. 
You know, I bet one of the disciples thought, what does he know about this? We've done this our whole life. But they did that. They had to at least exhibit some type of faith. Well, Jesus said to do this, so we're going to do it. We're tired. We're ready to go home. And then they had more fish. They had so much fish, the boat almost sank. Here's another one. In the Old Testament, long before Christ, 1 Kings 17, 7 and 24, many of you know this story well. It's the story of Elijah with the widow at Zarephath. In verse 12, it says that the widow and her son, what a tragic situation. They had enough food for one meal, and then they basically said, then we'll starve to death. And Elijah says to this woman, though, listen to this, verse 13 and 16, I'll read it to you. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. In other words, eat your meal. But first, make a small cake of bread for me. Now, can you imagine somebody saying to you, hey, I, I mean, this is we're on hard times. We're going to eat this meal and we have nothing else. You say, well, hold on, make some cornbread for me. That's what I like to think that he said, cornbread. A small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make some for yourself. You know, it wasn't like Elijah was saying, before you starve to death, how about a meal? How about some bread for Elijah? What is he really saying? What he's saying is, and we know the story, he says, the God of Israel says, not Elijah, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord. What Elijah was saying was actually, it was not make Elijah some food, give God the food. Have enough faith to give me, who is representation of the prophet of God, give this man of God a little something, and God will in turn supernaturally bless you. You see, making his food first was an ultimate test of faith for that woman. I mean, think about, you know, to starve to death. Can you imagine? She didn't, but she did. She had to do what he said, or she would have starved to death. God expects an effort in faith before the blessing can be given by God. I'm not, I'm not preaching a message of prosperity gospel. I'm preaching a message of obedience. When we're obedient... And, and has God told anybody, like, hey, reach out and grab a star in the universe or walk on the... He's told them to do things that they can do that are not impossible. Hey, stretch out your hand. Remember the king that had leprosy? And he said, go dip in the Jordan. Now, it, it kind of is like, well, that's ridiculous. What's that going to do? It's not what he's asking. It's just do it. You ever told your kids that? You don't ask. You just do. Sometimes I think God has to get our attention and say, look, let me worry about the details. You just do what I ask. Let's go back to Acts chapter 3. The crippled man, he's been healed. This miracle shocks everyone. And yet Peter says, he, he sees this as an opportunity. It's time to preach now. God has moved and now it's time to, to give this word. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg. I love that. Used to. See, that is your testimony. 
That is my testimony. There's always a used to. Maybe I used to not go to church, but now I love to be in church. I used to be uh, addicted to alcohol or drugs or, dare I say, food. But God has healed me. God has freed me. Jesus took care of something I couldn't take care of. But what had to happen? We had to believe that He could. When we see the power of Jesus' name at work in our lives, there should be we should be readily available to give our testimony. Maybe not a sermon. Maybe you're not a preacher, but you can tell your story. Because ultimately, each for each one of us, our story is His story. It's what God has done. This crippled man saw the power of Jesus in his life. And what did he, what's the first thing he did? After he leaped to his feet, he praised God. How many times after God has answered our prayer do we really praise Him? Or do we just say, thank you, Lord. Now let me tell you about the other problem I have. There needs to be an opportunity where we are thankful, where we give thanksgiving to God and we tell other people, you know, I, I, I wish, and I'm not downing anyone, but I wish our prayer chain was just as loaded with God has answered this prayer as it is. Here's another request. Because God is answering prayer. God is hearing you. God is listening. Verses 11 through 26, I'm not going to read it, but it's Peter's sermon about Jesus' death and resurrection. But when you go home and read it, pay close attention to verse 16. Acts 3, 16. Here's an interesting thing about the New Testament. There's a lot of 316s that are very important. That's interesting. But this is what he says, verse 16. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. Let's see, one, two, three, three times. I read here in this verse three times, three the number of uh, the Trinity, one of God's favorite numbers, His, His, Him. Nothing to do with Peter, nothing to do with John, it's all God. God did that. What healed the man? Was it Peter? No. It was faith in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, according to His will, healed that man to glorify the Father. So when you, I don't want you to get discouraged when you hear this and say, well, you know, I prayed for so-and-so and they died. No, they didn't. They're more alive today than you are. It's just that we have to have a heavenly mindset when we pray. You know, I, I read of a man that um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, he had a biopsy on his liver. He had a tumor removed. It was cancerous. And they said, everything's fine now. They found it. it and you know how they found it? He had gallbladder surgery. Nothing to do with his liver. I, God healed him. But then I know there's other people who have died because of disease. We, we pray, and yes, we believe, but what we also have to keep in mind, friends, because I know people take these stories and think, well, why don't God do, do that today? God does something even better today. He heals people. When we pray for them, some of them, some of you are sitting in this room, God has healed you. But ultimately, 
the greatest healing any of us will ever receive is when we're in the presence of God. Because you know what? It had to be something when Lazarus died the second time. And somebody was thinking, now, is he going to be dead? Or is he coming back in a few days? Because last time he came back. He ain't come back, has he? But I guarantee you, when he came back the first time, he probably said to Jesus, me and you need to have some words, because I was a lot better off where I was before. If we could just for three seconds, or maybe one second, see into eternity, we'd never ask for our loved ones to be back on this earth. But we can't, so we struggle. It wasn't the power or, or, or the good works of Peter and John. Verse 12 tells us that it was only through faith in Jesus' name. Again, I'll remind you of Hebrews eleven six. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. All of those illustrations I gave you are straight out of the Bible. God rewarded the crippled man because he had faith. Doesn't say he had a lot of faith. He just had faith. God blessed the widow at Zarephath because she was obedient. Why was she obedient? She had at least enough faith. And you know what else about all these people? Jesus healed the man with a withered hand. You know what else I haven't said about all these people? They were all out of options. Maybe we don't really cling to Jesus because we still have a few options. Because it's the people who have run out of options that say, Lord, I, I have nowhere else to go to but you. And that's when God says, now we're talking. Now I can do something. Because you've been using this or your strength or your knowledge or name a thousand other things that we use. And finally, God just allows us to exhaust everything. And finally, we just say, you know what, Lord, I'm just give out. I don't know. I don't have anywhere else to turn. I guarantee you all these, all these people did. If you've got a withered hand, you were an outcast. Widow at Zarephath was about to starve to death. The crippled man, he had no hope. He, did, he thought he'd be crippled. All, he just thought, just give me some money. I'll be all right. All out of options. Sometimes God allows us to be totally out of options so that we can truly see our faith in action. Maybe God's asking you to do something right now in faith. Maybe it's stretch out your hand. See, we always think, oh, it's so big, I can't do something that big. Maybe it's very simple what God is asking you to do. Maybe God is saying, love your family, and I'll give you the strength to do that. And you say, Lord, do you know my family? Yeah, he does. He had family members that didn't quite agree with him. Maybe he's asking you to trust him with your family or your finances or whatever is going on in your life. Or maybe you're addicted to something. You know, some of us are born with addictive personalities. We just are. And God says, you know what, I, I want to work on that. Or it's your attitude. Now I'm, now I'm meddling, ain't I? The Bible tells us to draw near to Him, and He will draw near to us. I don't mean to uh, put Evangeline on the spot, but I'm going to ask if she'll go to the piano and play a chorus that um, hopefully you know. It's an old chorus, but it's still true today. It's very simple. It, it says the name of Jesus. It says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. 
Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's just something about that name. You know, that chorus wasn't around when the crippled man was healed, but I bet if it was, he would sing it. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Let all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's just something about that name. Let's sing that together. And as we sing, if God is calling you to pray or God is, you know, God told Moses, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? Well, it's just a piece of wood. Well, give it to me. You know, God turned it into a snake. I don't think that would have been my animal of choice. But God was saying, I can use whatever you have. But he had the faith. Moses had to have the faith to lay that stick down and say, okay, whatever you're going to do, whatever God is calling you to, he'll give you the power to deal with it. Let's sing together in that chorus.